Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Genuine Men's Chat show. Uh, today's topic is racism. And I want to start out with asking a question. What's the value of a human life? As an American woman of African heritage, often classified as ethnic and minority, having lived in America for over three decades before living here in the UK, George Floyd and the countless unnamed others that have fallen victim to this plague called racism hits home very deeply for me. This is especially so because as a professional problem solver, as a diversity and inclusivity trainer and mindset and mental fitness coach, social justice is an area I have devoted many years of my personal and professional life and continue to do so. I ask again, what is the value of a human life? As instances of racism around the world continue to come to light and people take to social media and the streets to protest and express their outrage about the countless George, George Floyds around the world, it gives us, and myself included, the critical opportunity to reflect on the intent behind our conscious choice, to use our voice to express our views. It also gives us an invaluable gift, an introspective look at our own conscious and unconscious biases. Racism and all the other isms are taught. We are not born with them. With all of the likes, the shares, the retweets, I can't help but wonder about the true intent behind them. As social influencers, celebrities, businesses, and giant brands take to social media, Many are being called out for their hypocrisy and jumping on this trendy bandwagon of the moment because it's not only trendy, but also marketable and profitable when many have stood silent for many years on similar instances and issues. I'd like to be absolutely clear, the unsanctioned, unjustified killing of any human being, of any race, of any background, of any gender, of any faith is neither trendy nor profitable and is definitely not acceptable. It is social injustice. Racism is a disease that requires a cure in our societies, in our minds, and in our hearts. So how can we each genuinely and respectfully reaffirm the values of a human life and support the suffering from injustice around the world and in our backyards here in the UK? Welcome, gentlemen. So let's start off with this concept of racism. What does it mean to you each? How have you each experienced it in your lives? What makes this topic so important to you? Um, for me, I think it's a very important topic because it affects me. Um, it's a very important topic that affects me, but not only me, uh, it affects my kids as well. My kids who are born in this country, my kids who um, are continuously are told and, and promised equal opportunities, my kids who hope to contribute to the economy, to do well in society, but yet, um, underneath that um, it seems like 
uh, their hopes and their wishes and their dreams um, are kind of limited uh, by, by this thing, by this uh, um, um, illness or, or, or virus um, that lives in the society. Um, so for me, it's a very, very important topic. And, and I think one of the things that really bothers me is um, we talk about it and everyone jumps on and, and wants to talk about it. And I wonder whether we're really honest when we're talking about it, because we need to be honest about it. Uh, without being honest about it, it's difficult for us to address it. Now, the challenge sometimes is when we are even addressing it, um, it's easy, just as you mentioned in your introduction, um, many organizations, many of people will, will jump on and say, yeah, 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 we, we support it and all that. And all that is very good. But are we honest about it? But the second part to that as well is sometimes when we're dealing with these issues, we think it's a short-term thing. So when we come together like this and talk about it, that's, that, that's it, that's done. Um, for example, again, I know, uh, Riham, you, you, you're a coach and uh, you address some of these issues in terms of diversity and unconscious biasness. And, and the challenge is sometimes even when people attend those sessions, they attend one or two, it seems like, yeah, we've dealt with it. But this is a long-term thing. Uh, this is this is an issue that doesn't go away in one day, in two minutes. Um, this is a long-term thing because when we look at it, it's not an issue that started yesterday. This is something that has carried on for years. Um, and that is the reason why um, now we even realize that it's, the term, it's, it's in the systems, it's in the structures. That's how deep it's gone. Um, and therefore, we can't just address this in one minute, in one day, in two days, and think that we've dealt with it. So for me, it's a very, very important topic. And I hope that as we, we address it, as we talk about it, uh, we, 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 we can be honest about some of these issues. Because without that, um, you know, we'll get back to this in the next 10 years. So for me, racism is a little bit different because I experience it uh, in a different way than you. you. You're experiencing it against you. And I see people um, that are, um, you know, doing the things that are considered racists uh, all around. And uh, I'm not being uh, the target, but I can see others that are being the target. Um, and from from what I can see is especially coming from a country that um, is uh, is got a bad reputation for racism. I come from Poland. It's we got a a, a bad reputation for um, racist behaviors in some places. Um, I see things and I question um, people's motives, and I want to ask questions: What is right? What is wrong? Um, and they don't happen very often, but when they happen, um, they are quite, uh, I would say, intense, uh, but sometimes they are not. So to me, um, first of all, I want to say that um, my experience with racism is usually when I see other people either making jokes or making fun of somebody who's different than them, that does something different. Usually it's because um, 
that person um, is a minority. Therefore, um, they are something new, something different from the norm that is, you know, around me and the people that that are, uh, you know, the group that I'm surrounded with. So those people react differently. Some of them get scared. Some of them, uh, you know, make fun of pe people who are different. Um, some of them are confused. Um, usually, I think it's down to lack of education um, or experience, life experience, and they act in different ways. And some people just make small, um, you know, not very dangerous, um, you know, um, things and some people get violent and they, they they do something that is totally unacceptable. So I see those things and as a person who's white, I process this uh, information and then I have to kind of see uh, if it's right, if it's wrong, uh, what can I do to, you know, uh, protect the person who's being attacked or what can I do um, to help um, change this situation uh, whether it's in Poland or uh, in the Polish community that lives here in UK or in Scotland um, but for me mainly it's a matter of education learning about it what we can do what we should do what we can talk about uh, I really encourage conversation and asking questions uh, to people and minorities so they can tell me what's acceptable, what's not, what is, uh, you know, just a banter, what's good joke, what, uh, what we can do and what we shouldn't do, what hurts people's feelings or what is uh, politically correct and incorrect. And, you know, these days, um, you know, with, with so much noise on social media, it's hard to actually get to the bottom of this. So that's why I'm here and that's why I wanna learn um, I want to ask questions uh, to people um, and, and, and learn and see if there's something I can personally do. Uh, because I think when we get educated, maybe there's a way we can improve um, and do something good for the future. I think for me, a bit like Alan, racism is obviously something that I, I look at rather than experience as a negative force in my life um, one of the one of the major things about being a, a white British person is that we have this massive history of huge and large-scale racism played out in action in our history um, you know industrial scale racism that raped and pillaged and slaughtered for hundreds of years you know it's a bit like michael you're saying this has gone on for years it's not a few years it's hundreds of years um and so as a man thinking about this you know we've talked before in this group about the macho ideals of of you know large parts of the male gender uh, and the way we are expected to do things some of that 
some of that makes sense if you believe that you know men are supposed to dominate and compete and be the best of everybody then some of those old-fashioned racist attitudes that we are you know British is best and we'll come and we'll educate the world and tame these savages which is how people used to speak about this stuff you know publicly and openly and in conversation as if that was okay um some of those things make sense in terms of tying it together with this homogenous sort of macho maleness that there is and I think large parts of the UK population, large parts of the Scottish population do have a problem with admitting that history. Because you hear all over the place at the moment, you know, well, that, that wasn't us. You can't, you can't blame us for what happened 200 years ago, 300 years ago, mm. without thinking, you know, those, those people don't, think about the collective damage and the collateral damage that is still having an effect on people's practical lives, on people's uh, psyche, on an individual and a, and a national basis across the world. And it's as though there's a disconnect for people that they can walk away from history and be accepted for something that they are now without having any you know having to to think about that impact so you know i, I it's funny isn't it? i started off saying racism doesn't affect me it, it does affect me it's totally tied up with being a, a a modern human but it doesn't affect me negatively um and so, you know, I can see for some people why they have that disconnect and why they, they refuse to think about it. Particularly in Scotland, I've always thought that we are a long way behind in terms of the, uh, the, the diversity that other countries have. We're a very white country. When I moved to Scotland in the mid-90s, I was quite interested in this because I moved from the north of England where lots of my friends were from Asian backgrounds at school. Uh, we had quite a number of um, African pals at school as well. And in Manchester, which was the nearest big city, you know, it was very racially diverse. So I moved up to Glasgow and thought, what the hell's going on here? Um, and I, I actually checked out the census. And when I checked the census for Glasgow, it said that there were 512 Afro-Caribbean people living in Glasgow out of 600,000. Um, and that ignores, you know, a lot of the, the, the South Asian populations that are in Glasgow, but again, quite small and quite uh, concentrated in particular areas, aren't they? So it, for me, and I'm not apologising on Glasgow's behalf because, you know, doesn't make any difference really but i think we are a long way behind the education that other cities have had in the uk of of having to live next to each other as different people and learning that ordinary people want the same things out of their life so 
you know, and then I moved down here to Presswick in Ayrshire. And it's even worse. You know, we, we have two families really in Presswick who are, who are black. And my kids don't get to share the experience of, of meeting different people. So it's very sad for me. Um, and I'll come back to why I think it's sad rather than just keeping on and on. Um, but I think there's a lot of aspects to do with this that are um, to do with experience and to do with education and to being open to learning from other people that it's not, it's not a natural way for everybody to be. Um, I'm going to show up for a minute though. <laughs> well, there are common themes that each of you are, are mentioning, um, like conversations and a willingness to, to learn um, and, and personal experiences, if not direct, but indirect from people that you know that have also experienced racism. How do you think being that Michael mm -hmm. and Tim, you've already expressed, you know, what that's like yeah. for your children growing up, how has that been a factor for each of you to, to, or, or all of you actually, to, to, to shift the conversation with your children even? So it's, it's been great hearing what everybody's been talking. And I think it's a fantastic opportunity that now people are actually having this conversation uh, and engaging on this because it's something that I feel just hasn't, we've, there's not been very many forums or platforms where we've been able to do that. My, my view about racism is a bit more cynical. I, I believe it's an idea. It's simply an idea. There is no race. There are no races. It's just a biological fact. There are no, there are no races. There is a human race. Everything else is a variation. I can go to Pakistan right now and I can see people who are whiter than Tim and with blonder hair in Pakistan. And I can also go to Pakistan and I can see people who are as dark as Michael. Uh, there are all sorts of people there and, and I'm going to say something that I, I think that it's an idea, racism and it's a very cynical idea because it's there to keep power structures in place and it's ultimately it's about keeping that status quo and ultimately it's about keeping money in place and I literally think it comes down to money and that's where this idea, and, and just like, you know, the idea that, um, you know, I don't know, women could only do certain things or the world was flat, it served its purpose. And we were able to work within that framework. And once that paradigm is broken and you go, oh, well, actually, then a heck of a lot of other things open up. And at the moment, it serves people who are, white because for somebody who's white your color doesn't have to be a barrier it doesn't even have to be an issue and i think talking about it it's 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 awkward talking about it because it's suddenly having to address something that actually takes away an advantage mm -hmm. and, and i was thinking about this yesterday and i thought if i was white and it conferred that advantage on me would i want to give that up 
I mean, if I had something that I could use to move forward, and this could apply to women. If a woman bats her eyelids or uses her feminine charm to get somewhere, how many women would actually say, I'm not going to do that? You know, I, 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 when I was in England, I had Asian friends who said that whenever they would meet Americans, they would really ham up their English accent because it really got them far. You know, it really got them far with Americans. They don't, you know, I've got, I've got a friend who's in, in New York. He's a lawyer there. He's from Bradford. And he says, oh, it's great when I use my accent, my English accent. It just works wonders. Now, for me, you know, if you said to him, look, I want you to give that up and speak in your normal Bradfordian accent, he's going to say, well, no way, I can't because it's giving me some power, it's giving me some advantage. Until you see through that, until you see that that doesn't, that that's not important. And I think this is the problem that it's something, racism is something that's so endemic that it's almost like living in your house and the furniture that's there, the furniture becomes almost invisible. And I think for, for people who've been thrown into a kind of different kind of mix, you know, like if you're from a black community or an Asian community with colorism is there, it's, um, you know, you, you're more aware of it. But for somebody who's white living in Britain, it's been such a part of life that it's almost become invisible. So it's like you don't notice your own furniture until somebody comes in and has a look at it and goes, look, why is that there? And what's that there? And what's that? So I think, it, I, in a way, I feel a bit, you know, it, it's, I think it's an uncomfortable conversation, but I think it's a conversation that's going to open up something. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, when I go to Pakistan, I don't see racism in the same form. I see colorism. I see people looking at color as giving them some added benefit. I mean, my mother uh, is an old lady. She's 85 now. And, you know, she was brought up in... Her, the, the people that she saw as being, you know, uh, you know, the cinema heroes were all Asians with fair skin. And, you know, in the 50s and 60s, the Bollywood actresses that you looked up, that she looked up to uh, and saw as the ideals of beauty all had fairer skin. And if I said to her, but mom, that doesn't necessarily follow. She just won't get it. Um, so it's, and it's something that she's got so used to that you know to undo that and untangle that is going to take a is going to take a while but it, it's, a, it's something that has to happen so for me the short answer is racism is an idea it's a belief it's a delusion and ultimately it is a false delusion because it doesn't actually exist i don't there is no such thing as 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 these races White doesn't really exist to me. Black doesn't really exist. It's, it's, these are, you know, but we're living like that, just like the, the flat earth or the edge of the world, it really existed for people. It was a real, real thing uh, until we finally kind of got around to it and it, it became obvious that it, it wasn't. So that's, that's, that's what I think. And I think ultimately it comes down to Capitalism, it's about capital, it's about money. You know, the, the, the transatlantic slave trade was all about money. 
and it was about keeping that money in a certain in a certain area. And I think now things have just changed to the point that now that you know when that is no longer giving you power, people will give up these notions of race because it won't serve them anymore. For me, I think uh, um, going back to Rian's last point there, I think these conversations um, again are very good, just like Nadim said there. Um, and I think for a long time, um, this conversation, these conversations haven't been held. If they were, uh, they're held at a very small scale, and uh, people are very sensitive. Um, but also people, even when you talk about it, I think people are very protective and very defensive. Um, and so when you look at that, it's been very, very uncomfortable. Even for those that want to do something about it, it's, it's, it's a topic that has been uh, very uncomfortable for many to, to, to address and talk about. Uh, but yet for us, for me and my family, it's a topic that I've got to share and discuss with my children. Because guess what? They're living here and they're going to face it. And so in a way, I've got to prepare them. In a way, I've got to encourage them. In, in a way, I've got to tell them you have to keep doing it. Uh, read hard, study hard, be the best. And, and sometimes, sometimes you wonder where that stops because you look at the effort that they put in, probably the engagements they're in, and for that to be taken away by, by someone having an idea is <laughs> sometimes very frustrating. Um, and so uh, it's important for us to have these conversations. And, and it goes back to my first point that I was making in terms of us having the conversations honestly. Because without having those conversations honestly, um, it doesn't help. It doesn't help me, it doesn't help my neighbors, it help the society. So if we really want to address this, we have to get to the bottom of it um, and address it and be honest about it for us to be able to, to move forward. That does come back to this idea, doesn't it, that this is a, a, a social construct, if you like, or a, or a belief that was put forward. And I agree, Nadim in terms of making the slave trade acceptable to a white audience, the idea had to be sold that other colours of people were less somehow. Because, because why else would you accept it? You know, how else could you accept mm. it in a reasonable conversation? Mm. But the other thing, I suppose, again, for me, comes back to communities are protective, like Michael says. We, we, it's fairly natural to gang together with those about us. Sorry, I keep going in and out of focus. Um, uh, it's very natural for collections of people to stick together and protect what they've got. So, so that's the other thing, isn't it? That if I am white and I have an advantage, then yes, I don't want to give it away. Mm. But there's two things about that as well. The slave trade, it was, it was able to happen as well because it happened somewhere else. Mm. So mm. I did, if I was a, you know, even a very 
So let's say I was a Quaker in the 1700s and 1600s. I wouldn't have to think about it very hard. Mm. You know, um, so there is that as well. But I, but I agree that it's a very deep rooted idea that's got hold and it's very difficult for it to shift. And even into, you know, even into this week, we've got gangs of thugs running about Glasgow who think that they are best because they're British and everybody else is less. Women are less, people of colour are less. Chinese photographers taking pictures of them there in the square were less and should have a beating. Um, so that idea is so deep rooted for some people who can't accept the, the, the bigger idea, the better idea that comes back to Riem's point of, you know, the value of a human life. That they just can't get it. That there is no race, like you say. We're all people, and we all want the same thing, largely. Um, there's there's two points in my life, I think, that made a difference for me. And one is my early experience as a kid in a quite religious family who were very open to talking with and having visitors from all around the world. So, so my earliest experience of being a kid was having a house that had visitors from Africa, we had visitors from South America, we had visitors from the Far East, all within a, an equally dangerous religious ideology, to be honest, but that bit of it was really good because I learned very early on that there are no differences. You know, it's all people. And the other thing that reinforced it for me was later in life, when I was in my twenties, I, I did a person-centered counseling diploma. And that very much starts from the grounding of all human life has the same value. And you, you can't practice as a person-centered counselor without believing in this uh, unconditional positive regard that says all humans have an equal value just by the fact they're here. You, know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to fulfill any expectations. You just have to be alive and that gives you that equal value. And, and for me, that reinforced those early thoughts that I had that it's just weird that we treat people differently. Um, but then, you know, even, even with that as a core belief for me, you, you are careless, I think, as a white person in terms of impact. And that's where the conversations come in very importantly and the questions that Alan was talking about. So the last four or five years for me in terms of our workplace, trying to make a difference in employment in Scotland around people from different backgrounds, it's been really important for me to, to check that I get my language right, that I talk about things in the right way, so that the impact that I have is, is monitored, let's say. And I remember Michael having a, a conversation with Fiona um, to get some stuff right. When we started working with you guys, um, there was a few things I was worried about. 
you know, had I, had I forgotten to speak about things in the right way, um, had I picked up shortcuts in language that would, that would be hurtful. And, you, and it's a responsibility that I feel. And for many people, I don't, I don't think they're that bothered. You know, they don't think about the impact they have. And at the smaller end of the, the scale of discrimination, that's where some of that comes from. And at the sharp end, the really sharp end, we've got violence, you know, to individuals collectively and, and from individuals. But yeah, for me, it's, it's about impact and acceptance and balancing those two things. Um, and, and Michael, you're right, the honesty in this for a lot of people isn't there. It's much easier. And I don't know, even me saying this stuff, you know, it, it makes no difference. The stuff that you say, it can have an impact, but what you do really makes a difference, isn't it? So I, I'm, I'm not like a history buff, but um, as far as I'm aware, in terms of my country, we don't really have a history of um, slaves uh, from Africa in Poland. And so whatever I saw um, when, when I'm in the country uh, and that in regards to racism, it was purely people responding to new, simply because um, Everyone around is white, especially in small, uh, smaller cities, villages. Everybody's kind of the same. Um, the communities are very tight. Um, and for some reason, if you have one black person showing up, uh, actually, I had this kind of situation. My, my uh, uncle is an actor and he uh, had um, uh, a black uh, Swedish uh, actor stay at his house uh, for a week or so. So my grandma never saw a black person in her life. And um, it was the first time. Um, and she was very open and open-minded and... Um, I kind of, uh, I was, I was actually impressed by the fact that she was so open-minded and welcoming, and she was like really, really nice. However, the neighbors and the people around, they never saw a black person in their life, and they point fingers and they speak behind your back. And I can imagine how, like, uh, you know, Michael, you would experience something like that immediately because you're new, you're the novelty around, right, in the neighborhood. Now, some of these people, I don't think they have anything, um, like. I would say they don't have any bad intentions. They just simply don't know how to react to something new or somebody new. Um, there are people who are pre, uh, really, uh, they, they, they are really like getting protective and they're like, oh, this is a stranger. We're going we're gonna to get him out of here. He's not supposed to be here and get violent. And then that's, that's the racist guys. Now, um, so that's kind of my experience, what I saw. And then when I moved to UK, because... Um, is, uh, I don't know how it is like in other cities, but here um, in, in Edinburgh, where I am, um, there are all types of cultures, all types of people of different color and, and religion and nationality. And because of this exposure, um, I see there's definitely less racism than in those kind of environments that I described before. Um, and also it opens your mind to everything. And for example, I mentioned on our previous live call that I have several friends from Africa, which are like brothers to me. And uh, 
um, and I don't like to use this because I think people overuse this when they say, I don't see color. Um, no, I see color. I see that you have a different skin color, but it doesn't literally doesn't mean anything to me that your skin color is different. Uh, let's, if we play football, I judge your, uh, you know, your skills as a footballer. Uh, we're friends, we have fun, we joke around, we're just people. Just people have fun, you just happen to be uh, of a different skin color. Uh, and I'm actually uh, at the point where I'm like, I might ask um, if, if, if that's the situation, we can learn about the culture in Africa or in the place because I've never, I traveled around the world, but never been to Africa. So for example, I can ask out of genuine curiosity about the culture and about the country and about anything. So that's kind of what I see here. And then the, the, the question would be, how do you deal with, with the fact that you might have someone in your family or someone in your community that never actually been exposed to different? And, you know, does it have to do with actual race or just purely just the fact that, you know, it's, a, it's an outsider person and like a human being needs to learn what it's like to experience new. Could I just say something, Alan? I mean, I think that's a very important thing that is it just the fact that it's something new uh, or is it, you know, to do with the actual kind of color itself? I mean, I'm, I, you know, I come from a Muslim background. I come from a Pakistani background, as in my dad came over from Pakistan in the 60s. And, you know, I was born and brought up here in Glasgow. And, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, and that was a time when um, the kind of, I, I, we were new, that community was new. There was a time when, you know, I'd be going out to the shops and if I saw another Asian person, I would come back and I'd say to everybody at home, guess what? I saw an Asian person there. <laughs> they were in the shop. You know, now that doesn't happen. Now it's like, you know, it's, you know, we're just part and parcel of the scenery and everything. So it doesn't happen. Um, and, even in my lifetime, I can see the change that's happened from the 70s to now. Um, and I think part of it is that new novelty and that, that, that thing that, um, you know, let's face it, most people react emotionally. And when they feel, when they see something different, you know, that newness is often creates a sense of fear in people. And so how do they react to that fear? Most people don't think, okay, I'm feeling something different here. Here's an opportunity to learn. Most people either, you know, react by going, kill, destroy, yep. run away, or, 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 or will just go quiet, you know, and, and not know how to respond to that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's something that's there. And, and, I, and I'm going to say something else, you know, we, I think there's a distinction about prejudice because I think we have to accept we all have prejudices, you know, whether you're a certain person in Africa or sitting in, you know, Asia or a white person in, um, you know, here in Glasgow or Poland, we all have prejudices. Um, racism, I think, is something different because I think it's a, I genuinely think it's a structural idea 
that's there to keep something in place. Um, and uh, but but prejudice is something that again is up there in our heads. Only way we're going to deal with that is by talking about it and by sharing some of those ideas. And that's the only way that they're going to instead of having a handle on us that we'll have a handle on them. Um, and I just I'll illustrate something to you. I, I once went on a course years ago, and um, when I was a lot younger, I thought it was a course to empower you and you'd go there and they would get little tips about how to be more successful and things. So I went along there and I saw all these people and they were all talking about relationships and things like that. And from where I came from, you know, we didn't talk about relationships. You know, we talked about how you make more money, how you get a job, how you sit your exams. And we, we, we didn't even have girlfriends or, you know, it was an idea of having a girlfriend or boyfriend. Your your parents arranged that for you. So it was all very kind of, this is what you do. So I saw all these people talking about relationships and I just thought, what what is this? And I remember I said something and I'm embarrassed about it when I say it, but I was a little bit younger, so maybe that's an excuse. But I, and I got up and I said to the organizer, I said, what is this course? Is this for a bunch of white people just organize, you know, contemplating their navels? And he said something and you know, said sort of something like, yes, okay, and you're a racist. And I sat down and I said, what? Me, a racist? I'm Pakistani. How can I be a racist? That's not possible. Anyway, I sort of thought about it and then I went out afterwards and we went for lunch with the whole bunch of guys and everything. And the guy that bought, you know, I had a very, I had a very stereotypical view of people. White people are like this. They don't kind of engage with you. They're kind of really careful with their money. And Pakistanis, Asians are really ah, open and oh, yeah, spending everything. So I went out for lunch with this guy. And he was a white English guy from London. And we had lunch and everything. And he was chatting away. And he was really kind of open. And at the end, you know, we were time for the bill. And he goes, no, 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 it's all on me. I said, what, what's going on here? What, 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 what's happening here? <laughs> you know, this guy, is, is he's acting like a Pakistani. What's going on? And I realized that what was happening was my views were getting all challenged. You know, all these ideas that I had about what people were like were all getting smashed up. And this guy just kind of proved it. So I came back in and, you know, I talked about it. And um, what I realized was that I was going around with all these ideas and these filters about the way things were and the way that white people were. Uh, and I probably had that about black people as well, although we didn't have any black people, like you said, in Glasgow. There weren't, there weren't anybody there. The only black people we knew were the ones on TV. Um, and maybe there was a few African students. And we all had these ideas. So, yeah, I, I think the only way to... We, we have to talk about them. And we have to talk about them to get past them or at least realize that those are there. And, um, yeah, I mean... And I, I think what it comes down to is fear, uh, fear of something that you don't know or you think you might know or losing something. Uh, like you said, it might be losing that sense of privilege or power that you might have, um, you know. So, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, just when you said that thing about something new, yeah, I think that's part of it. And yeah, we do have to engage and we have to, uh, 
yeah, the only way to do that is to, to, to sit down and talk. Absolutely. And also there's a thing that I wanted to touch on, which is I started to think about all this because I'm, I'm trying to avoid generally during the regular course of the day or week, I try to uh, stay away from politics and not get involved in stuff that um, doesn't bring value to people. But um, when things like this start to happen, obviously makes you uh, think, uh, you know, the recent uh, developments in the world uh, with, uh, with the situation in the US. And what makes me think um, about what should I do or like what, what I actually think about racism in general is, uh, that will be a little segue for you, Riham, emotional intelligence. Um, because I literally try to put myself in the shoes of the black uh, person in, um, in that moment. And I'll give you a perfect example for that. Um, because maybe in the past I didn't do such thing or I, people in general don't do that. They don't put themselves in the really, I mean, really put themselves in the shoes of the other person. So I try to think for a moment how that person is feeling when something is happening to that. And my particular example is a football match when something is being thrown uh, to a player uh, from the stands, uh, there are, you know, racist behaviors in Italy, for example, Mario Balotelli. So it's an interesting example because Mario Balotelli is a very arrogant, cheeky player, very good, but very cheeky, arrogant player. But there was several times he was very viciously attacked from the stands, kind of like things, things were, were being thrown. And I saw him cry, walking off the pitch and cry. And it really, like it really touched my heart. I was like, I wish that doesn't exist. It didn't exist that such thing happened in the, in football. And we do have similar cases in Poland where people would be uh, booed or they would make like monkey noises on, uh, on football stadiums. And it's just because I'm, I'm a footballer and uh, I love football in general. I think it brings people together. I think it's an amazing thing. And when I see a player being abused, I just want to know why, why those people do it because it's just in that moment, that's not what I was saying before. Like it's a new thing. I don't know. It's just like, like literally like a person was taking pleasure in abusing others. And since it's a, like a mob mentality because it's thousands of people, they think they can get away with it. And that's why you got these campaigns, no to racism in football and so on. Uh, so yeah, there is campaigns happening to change this, but yeah, it, it makes me really sad when I see something like that. I see player being really abused and coming off the pitch crying because, you know, I can imagine like how bad it can be for that person. How do you feel? Like, It's interesting you bring that up. And I think, again, it's, um... It's, it's, it's a thing that really destroys people's lives. Um, it destroys people's lives. It chips away their confidence. And, and it's interesting because uh, for people like the footballers who are in the public eye and are out there, and it must be very tough for them. Now, for, for me, I think 
where it really hurts is sometimes when you have people around you that you think get you, that you think understand you, that you think are friends, that will then go behind you and do something totally different. That, that really hurts. Now, I understand the fear issue where people are scared because of this new thing. Um, I understand the discomfort. I understand the misunderstandings, all that I understand. Um, but if you are going to come in my space and become my friend and, and listen to my issues and, 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 and I open up to you and uh, we try to address these issues and then at the back, behind my back, you do something totally different, that really hurts. Now, there, there is that, you know, and the, the, the issue about racism, because it's a deep-seated thing that has run for years, is you, you, you can never find one solution to solve all the issues. So every time it shows up, it shows up in a different way. Um, every time you're dealing with it, uh, while you think that, you know, I'm going to deal it in the corporate world, it's there in the in this community. While you think I'm dealing with it in the community, it, it shows up differently. And so it's not one size fits all. It, it will pop up in different ways. And I think uh, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, that when we are dealing with this, it's not a short-term short thing. This is a long-term conversation that we have to have um, to be able to deal with it. Um, and so if we are going to address these issues, Again, um, I keep on saying this, but it's that honesty. We need to have that honesty. But also, I think when it comes to us being scared, um, I think it's normally it's not comfortable for people to deal with change. Whenever anything new is going to happen, it's always going to be uncomfortable. Um, and Nadim just talked about his experience <laughs> there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the time when we... Uh, we, when we came to the country, we first lived in London, where it's very diverse, and uh, obviously there are issues there as well. But the difference between London and Scotland is in London, you'll see people at different levels in the workplace, people of different color, which you don't find in Scotland. Now, the thing that you find in Scotland, uh, when we moved to Scotland about uh, 14 years ago now, um, I was in the same boat as Nadim, whereby when you say black person on the street, oh, you were very excited. And so you crossed the road and, and went and introduced yourself and said, where do you come from? I come from Uganda. Where do you come from? Oh, I'm from Malawi. And you're like, oh, wow, my brother, how are you doing? And things like that. We don't do that anymore now because obviously, again, the demographics have changed. But then, um, and the community is very, very friendly. The community is very supportive. And that is fantastic in Scotland. The issue then becomes uh, challenging when you get into the workplace. That is when you, that's when you start to see the fear. That's when you start to see uh, people worried about that change. That's where, when you start to see people becoming very protective. That's when you start to hear um, people uh, trying to be on your side. But when you're out of the room, it's a, to a totally different conversation. 
and, 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 and that, those are the issues. We can't just depend on being friendly without having the honest discussion. We can't all just depend on being friendly and welcoming uh, uh, at the moment, at least in Scotland. I mean, we, we, we are looking at becoming a global player and, 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 and doing business you know, around the world and things like, and we can't, we can't address these issues. How are, they, how are we going to become global players when we can't even relate with the people in the communities? How are we going to become global players when those from other parts of the world are really struggling in our communities? And I think this is really an opportunity, despite the challenges. <clears throat> and I just hope and I pray that we don't um, let this moment pass us by. I just hope and pray that we don't just take this moment as another moment that we had that excited us, um, that helped us to address these issues. And you know what? That is going to do something different. I hope that we can actually get to the bottom of these issues for us to have a good community, for us to have something different in Scotland. You bring up a really, well, all of you bring up really important and very timely points um, regarding things need to change, regarding the fact that, you know, we have to be global players because it has become a global society now uh, on so many different levels uh, from work, uh, you know, especially now that a lot of work is being done on Zoom for social distancing purposes uh, or other uh, platforms. And as well on a community basis, with the needs in the community uh, increasing, especially with the disparity increasing due to uh, COVID-19 and, and the refugee situation around the world. So there's a concept, um, thank you for the, the link, Michael. There's a concept uh, that Gary uh, Vaynerchuk had mentioned about building the tallest building. So he says, there are two ways to build the tallest building in town. You just build the tallest building, and meaning you build it with the support of the community with others so that you're all working together towards a common goal. Or you spend your time tearing all the other ones down to make yours larger or bigger or taller. So in, the li in light of being global players and starting these conversations and creating these uh, movements and these shifts in perspective and in filters that we have um, as each of you have spoken about in different ways of being the other or being new or being different, what are some bits of advice that you would like to leave or asks that you have of each other in the community to create these shifts, these honest conversations um, that you were talking about? I think really in terms of Scotland making a shift towards being honest about this and about being in a position to move forward and, and look outwards and act in a, an accepting manner as well as just being welcoming at surface level. We've got to deal with it as, as white Scottish people and have a serious conversation about what we believe in because there's a massive arrogance that is clearly seen in different 
strata in, in, in life in the UK when it's being openly displayed by politicians um, that we have around the world in certain parts. Um, and we, we can't ignore that. It has to be talked about. Why, why are we allowing a way of living that says we are better than other people to get in the way of the advancement of the people that live around us? And for me, that's the bottom line. If, if you believe or allow yourself to believe that you are better than other people, it's always going to hamper how things move forward. And for me and my white UK friends that have been talking about this for the last few weeks, that has been the center of our conversation. How do we educate ourselves? How do we stop asking stupid questions? How do we move things forward and how do we convince other people to stop being racist um and quite a few of us have had uncomfortable conversations with family members in the last few weeks because of george floyd and that situation happening it's a horrible situation but it's been a, a fantastic conversation starter in this regard um and you know that's a terrible price for somebody to pay um, and it keeps happening you know, it's happened since hasn't it in the states more people um, killed by the police but yeah I mean that's my advice if you are a white Scottish person and you want Scotland to do well then you need to be talking to other white Scottish people about why we need to act in a welcoming manner and why we are no better than anybody else around the world one, one of the uh, things I wanted to uh, highlight as well, again, going back to what happened in America is uh, because of technology now, the world has become a very small place. Um, what happened in America was watched across the board, um, all over the world. The protests that are taking place are watched all over the world. Now, imagine Actually, I was speaking to some friends and relatives back home in Africa, um, and there was, there was, most of them are really shocked that these things happen in the UK. Um, they, they are shocked that they happen in, in, in the USA because the assumption that we normally have when we're still in Africa is, you know, th th when you go to the UK, when you go to the USA, you know, that is the place uh, that you can go and everything will be done and opportunities are there and life is good and you know you get the jobs and so uh, issues around racism um, are very new. We 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 in our country instead of racism we have tribalism, which is a different thing. Um, so for them to hear racism and how people are treated because of their skin color and all that is, is shocking. But then the, 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 the worry then becomes because the world has become a small place and because of technology and because all these videos are watched around the world, imagine what kind of picture we are painting to the people in Africa and the other parts of the world. Imagine what kind of response they are going to give you the white Scottish British person when you go to their country. Imagine how they're going to look at you. And I think this is the reason why we really need to 
act and do something. We need to stop the talking and listening and learning and all these things and actually do something different um, that shows the world that, you know what, yeah, that might have happened, but we're doing something new. We're doing something different. And, and, and it, it ties in with what uh, Tim is saying. I think it's important for us to have those conversations at home, those honest conversations at home. But also um, when we look at, at public sector, private and, and third sector, I think one of the th issues, because these things are structural, um, there, there needs to be an investment. Investment in, in, in ways of time, to deal with the issues and investment in terms of money to deal and address with these issues. Now, I'll give you an example. We do a lot of diversity trainings as uh, uh, Adopt and Intern does, um, and we try to work with the uh, employers uh, to have a diverse workforce. And one of the challenges, an interesting bit that we always face is uh, employers will always come to us and say, yeah, we're really keen to do diversity training. We want a diverse workforce and all that. And yeah, we know the benefits of having a diverse workforce. And you're like, yeah, fantastic. Let's do it. And uh, you start to um, highlight some of the issues that they might be, uh, they might be faced with. And guess what? Uh, you get to a point where the employer is saying, I have the time, but uh, not too much time, maybe just two hours training. <laughs> or I have the time, but I don't have the money. I don't have the money to invest in this. Um, and so you wonder, are we really uh, wanting to address these issues or are we ticking a box? Because often, most of them is just a tick box exercise. If they can tick a box to, to show that they have done something, that, that's good for them. Uh, and so we, need, we really need to move away from, because at the end of the day, like we said before, this issue is affecting people's lives. Worse still, it's killing people's lives. Uh, it's killing people's dreams. Um, it's, it's interesting because of what happens in, the, uh, in, in America. It's, it's that knee, it's that knee that is on, on, on these communities' necks. And, and unless we, we, we invest time and we invest the, um, in terms of money into dealing with these issues, I don't think we'll, we'll go any far. So I think it's very, very important for, for us to look at those two um, for the long term, um, not, in, not, not short term. It's good for us to have these short term trainings and all that, it's good, it's fantastic, but that doesn't cut it. I, I totally agree with what uh, Michael's saying. It's gotta be for the long term. And also what Tim was saying about having the conversation amongst our own communities, I think that's really, really important. Um, I, I think it has to start, for me, it has to start with myself and the communities that are around me. And that's where it has to start. And it has to start with uh, having the, some of these uncomfortable conversations and also um, conversations within the communities that I live in as well. There are, you know, um, there are, I, it, and I, I think just relate, just leaving it at uh, race uh, is, or or what we've called race, uh, isn't enough. I think it has to extend to other things, uh, like tribalism, like uh, casteism, uh, which unfortunately still exists uh, in some communities. Um, and these are the things that have to 
be tackled. Um, you know, I, I know that my dad had views about uh, the, the sort of indigenous Scottish community that actually when I look at now were really quite sad and, and, and completely false. Um, you know, I see, you know, I, I've had Polish builders coming to the house and I, I could see some of the, the, the kind of white Scottish kind of guys that were working there looking at them in a different way. And that was funny for me because I thought, hang on, you're the same, you look the same, you've got the same religion. What's going on here? So it's almost like people need to find something to latch onto that will make themselves feel that they're better than somebody else. And I think we've always just got to be aware of that. In terms of practical things, hire an ethnic minority. If you're in a position of power, hire a black person, hire a, Hire somebody else. You know, I've seen these, <laughs> I've seen this Hollywood thing. I don't know if you've anybody's seen that lately. You got all these Hollywood actors getting up, saying things. It was on the internet. I take responsibility for this. And, I was, and it was quite funny. Um, but really, that's just, these are just words. If you're going to do something, we have to, we have to have, take action. Yeah. Um, and I think whatever, whatever community you're from or you, you, you're a part of, you have to look at your yourself first. You know, there's, there's, you know, even amongst the Asian community, there's all sorts of ideas about color, and and that has to be. We have to, we have to start tackling that as well. So you know, that that kind of prejudice exists all over the world. And another thing that I don't know if anybody's mentioned is, I think was really important for relations, which I think Britain has managed better in a lot of ways is we have to look at uh, how we're represented in the media, in film, on TV. Um, I think, you know, um, we, we're a bit more, we're better at doing that in Britain, but I still think that there's, that there's, and, you know, I think somebody said to me that what really changed the way that people looked at uh, people's sexual orientation was that program, Will and Grace, and they, they, that really changed the way people looked at that. And I think we need to have those kind of ideas for us. I, I grew up in the 70s when the black and white minstrel show was still running. Uh, you might not, well, maybe Tim might, <laughs> but other people might not. Um, Alan might not know what that is. But, you know, that was where people used this or blackface. And that, I, that was Saturday night viewing when I was growing up. Saturday night peak time viewing when we only had three channels and that was one of the, that was on one of the shows and you know as I was growing up one of the few black or Asian or people of color people that I could see that was a full human being was Muhammad Ali and he was one of my role models as I was growing up because he was the only one that was a full human being who would get angry he would get, he would be funny, he would be happy and he'd be, you know, and he'd be himself and he was, he was expressive. And I think that's what we need more of. We need more people um, represented who look like, uh, look like me on the media. Um, if you have a period drama from 200 years ago, there'll never be a person of color in it, but they were around. Uh, and, and these, these, these things these things are, are really important, um, you know. Um, so I, I think that 
I think that's something, I think having rep, more representation in the media uh, and on these kind of things, that's important. And even things like this, there's no doubt about it that, you know, listening to all of you, it's, I'm going to come away with a different sense of something. Something is going to change. Yeah, might, things might not happen overnight, but then, you know, often it's, you're just chipping away at something and eventually, you know, it becomes obvious that, you know, it, it's basically, um, so, you know, I think this is just going to be, you know, this is another part of that. So I think it's important to, to keep that up as well. So uh, um, I guess that's it. I suppose if we're going to say one thing, just say start with yourselves. Um, I think that's what I'm going to start anyway. For me, um, as I'm not a man in position of power at the moment of any kind, um, it's, it's, simply, it's simply putting yourself um, into the shoes of the other person. I speak to people, I ask, I have a conversation. Um, so anytime you have a chance, it's good to ask, it's good to imagine yourself um, in the other's other person's shoes what they're going through what they're feeling um you know because it's it if you're good at this and that's what happens uh, when you're good at like emotional intelligence but um when you really imagine what a person is going through you understand and then you change your behavior um that's what i think uh you know people regular people can do um, in terms of uh, the systemic changes, um, I'll speak to you when I get in some power. <laughs> Remember to call me Alan when you get there. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you, gentlemen, for your heartfelt and, and humorous and very serious uh, feedback and advice and guidance uh, to our viewers and to each other. Um, start with our own homes, start with our own selves before we move on elsewhere. And when we do move on elsewhere, make sure that we have those conversations that may be uncomfortable yet extremely impactful to create shifts in the minds of ourselves and others around us so that we can start breaking down these barriers of the perception of racism or this concept of racism, this construct and and start breaking down this 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 barrier of discrimination uh, amongst yourselves and in the workforce as well so if you have the opportunity to hire someone of an ethnic or minority background do so if you're looking for a speaker for a panelist you know for every single um scottish uh, british american white speaker find someone from a bme background and have them represent as well so that you're introducing the community and introducing your your team or your employees or your community uh, to new ideas it's it's about that diversity of thought uh, that pool of resources that we all have access to but may have overlooked so join us on our next episode emotional intelligence thank you Alan, uh, of the genuine men's chat show podcast and zoom live share like and follow the genuine men's chat on youtube linkedin instagram and twitter and join the genuine men's chat facebook group to join other men in the discussion on these topics and many more
our motto in 2020 is, many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table?